0: live, and turn you off, there we go. okay, we are now live, good afternoon everyone, and sorry for me being slightly tardy, I'm three minutes tardy, shame on me, but hello everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the BC Tech Tuesday, I believe this is episode 62, scary but true, Zachariah, I'm a wave to you, Gaddafi, interesting name. Nice to meet you indeed. Hello C. Perez, thank you for joining this afternoon. Leja, wave to you as well. Come to Turkey, it's a bit of a trek, it'll be challenging for me to do today, but thank you nonetheless. Doom, good seeing you. Danny GSR, greetings, good seeing you as well. Hello Snake Force, nothing special just here at the facility, rocking my pink shirt as Zeran makes fun of me, like Cameron. But that's okay, pink's the new black, which is really cool. Hello Arnie, I am well, how are you? Hope things are great. Imperium, greetings. Tony, V77, good afternoon and thank you for joining me on another exciting Tech Tuesday. What's up, Friday Craig? Kevin, thank you so much for being such a great help last week into the weekend, I appreciate that. UK is in the house, Finn, thank you for joining me all the way from England. Um, Daron is here and he's right here and he's laughing at me. Wait, how can you be here? There's some voodoo going on here, hello. Cy-co Auto Cars, CME, good seeing you, good afternoon. What's up, Budget Built, yo, SoCal Datsun. Claude, good seeing you as well. Thank you so much, greetings from San Francisco, Psycho. good seeing you as well. Turbocharger Navigator, <laughs> I could totally do that, but you might have to wait quite a while for us to get to it. North Carolina, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Izzy he Still, hello. Uh, Kevin says, what's going on, Duran? Just well. Yes, it's good to meet with you today as well, psych. King, good seeing you. OK, let's get to it as so-called that's a shame. I am well, Jared. Good seeing you. Poland, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Brad's car live, um, that would be, You know, that's actually a good idea. That won't be a bad idea, though. So I have Brad's car right behind the S2000. I was going to do a baseline before I came in but I couldn't get to it, so much going on here. Um, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's in the house. Good seeing you, you know. Um, wow, best to you, Johnny, I wish you the best, you know, by all means. And Diff and Deep is saying, let's talk tech. And before we begin Diff and Deep, um, I would like, oh, Dolph, you should be studying in class, you know, you should be studying. Turbo, I look forward to exceeding expectations as well. I have this S2000 today, Duran is working on an SI, like Gen. it's gonna be a lot of fun, you know. Thank you so much, Karafi. I appreciate the kind words. Jiffy Lube in Costa Mesa is in the house. <laughs> Thank you for joining us all the way from Jiffy Lube. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much, Javron, I appreciate the kind words. So that being said, today I wanna to about, talk about really one thing in particular that I got a ton of messages on this week, which is interesting, and uh, go Ram. <laughs> and that is break-in, engine break-in. So right here behind me is a full road race car that we're gonna go from factory and upgrade to an engine infinity. But the question I get a lot, and I got a lot this week for me to talk about today is about engine braking and the proper way to do that. So of course when you have a proper break-in, a fresh engine on it for myself or Duran or some facility or something you may have done yourself, the initial critical braking is very, very important. And of course I use this, Pure Onyx, which is a premium braking oil. It's a mineral-based oil with very high zinc. So it protects. So that being said. Um, one thing that you have to do first, if you did the engine yourself and you did a meticulous job or someone like myself did it or Duran and it's impeccably done, you can literally pour in the amount that you need. In this case, I have an sa 30. So if your engine requires a 020, a 530, a 1030, this is what you should use to break in. If you require a 540, 1040, 040, a 2050, you should use the 40 SAE. You put in all the way to the proper fill with a new filter. You start the car up. Let it idle to operating temperature, check for leaks, make sure everything is proper, and shut down. Do that warming up to operating temperature and shutting down three times. Now if it's an engine that you don't quite know the person did a good job in keeping things clean, you want to dump it out and put in fresh oil with a fresh filter. If it was meticulously put together, you can begin your excursion two ways. You can buy it at vcmo.com, I believe they have it on Amazon as well if you're too far away from me. Um, even though I ship globally, that's no problem whatsoever. And you have two ways of breaking in properly on the dyno, like what I'm going to put this S2000 on very soon. After a partial and full throttle tune, which takes me about two to three hours, the engine is broken in. You can drain the oil and put in oil of choice, ideally pure oil. If you have a street fairing vehicle, you can drive for two to three thousand miles on the main road. One thing to bear in mind is not to keep a constant RPM. You want to vary throttle slightly and vary the vacuum, allow the drinks to see properly, because ring seal is very important. You have the zinc to protect the bearings, you have the zinc to protect the valve train, but you very much need to seal the, you know, the, the, the rings properly by having a very nice interaction of the rings and the cylinders to have nice interaction to get a very nice seal and you're good to go. Then after that, you can drain out your oil and put in your oil choice. Of course, I can't drive race cars on the street, so I typically bring them in on dyno, and if you have a street vehicle that you're not too sure about the base map in it, you can also do that on the dyno as well. Hello, Automotive KMD. Um, Dip had a question. I think it had to do something with Series One. Dip and Deep said, "On a budget, we we smart to go with a Hyundai or AM version one for a supercharged D Series. Honda is more expensive than a good used AM V1. Um, Dip and Deep, because V1 is not supported by AM, I would not. I would rather save up, Alexa, my services even or Daryl, and get a proper V2 on Infinity. That's the way to go. And uh, I have some open box Open box, uh, both Infinities and Series 2. So I can help you out there. You don't have to break the bank in getting proper engine management solutions for your setup, you know? Use the engine brakes. Yes, you can. You can use it, of course, when you desail. You, it allows you to really seal the, the rings very nicely as well, you know? What makes your intake gasket reasonable? Seems they will compress after you install. And that's the beauty. It does not. So what you may see, especially if you install it with factory torque specs, it does not compress like you would see a composite gasket. So what makes it reusable is the material that it has, and the fact that it doesn't, uh, what's the proper word I can use? Distort upon install and disinstall. And one thing that I don't talk about, which I should, is the ports on each of these tend to run slightly larger than factory. And why did they do that? So when you clamp it down and the gasket expands slightly, it doesn't stick into the ports. What I've seen with many intake gaskets out there, especially those of the heat shielding variety, a lot of them don't have the great material, which we use impeccable heat-resistant material. And secondly, the ports are the exact same dimension as factory, and what happens is when you clamp it down, with slight distortion, it tends to go into the port. And what's the purpose? It tends to inhibit flow. So, with the ABC motor ones, you don't have to worry about that whatsoever. Arnisoka is asking, is oil filter important? For example, an oil filter that has the lowest micron filtration. Yes, oil filters are extremely important to keep contaminants away from where you don't want to be, which is in between the hard surfaces and the bearings, which is absolutely a big no-no. Now here's scary about that. Small fil- micron filters are very good, but here's the danger if you get one that is not designed properly that's super duper fine. You know what happens when those micron filters clog up? Bypass comes up open, into play. There's a bypass built into these filters and you don't get any filtration at all. So even if you have long life oils that you can do six, 7,000 miles in terms of oil change, I make it a habit of changing the filter more often than that. Just the filter itself, you know? Dalton has a question about his 2018 CX-9. He wants to modify it. It came with a 225 horsepower turbo. Can you do anything for me? Well, right now I can't because I don't have a great relationship with Mazda yet in terms of modification. But stay tuned, I may have something for you very soon. But right now, I don't have any products in that realm for the Mazda CX-9, you know? AJ says, we always drive to wagon van on dealer plates or get a smog checked arrested at a restaurant in Montana. I don't know yet. I really don't know AJ Thompson. I haven't quite decided. Right here, I have so much going on. We have quite a few projects we're picking up and me trying to find a way to drive that on the street is the least of my worries. So I haven't decided on that yet, you know? Thank you so much, SB Machine. I have yours here. So when you visit, I'll have yours good and ready, you know? Danny just Connect says, can I do compression test on your interpreter? Yes, I could. but. I prefer a leak down because compression doesn't tell me the, same, the whole story. Do you know that you can have a blown gasket and do a compression test and it'll still show good results? That's why I am a huge advocate of leak down. Not only will it tell me where the culprit is, I can tell if it's a ring issue, a gasket issue, a valve issue, whether it's an intake or exhaust valve. It is a lot better way to diagnose the sealing of a cylinder. You can compress it at TDC you can hear if you have gases escaping from the intake manifold, which means you have a proper, improper seals on intakes. Valves, you can check on exhaust there. If you open the cover for the, for the how should I say, radiator. If you see bubbles, you know it's a head gasket. If you pressurize one cylinder and hear it escaping the other cylinder, you know have a gasket blown between two cylinders. It is the way to go. I'm a huge advocate of that. Hello, D-Works, I am great. Hope things were well with you as well. Oh man, CRV, you missed a great event. The throwback meet at IBAC was really nice. Lots of variety. If you missed it and you wanna see what's going on, if you go on the BC Motor YouTube feed, and please subscribe, you will see me do a walk around of the entire event. I walked through the whole show, talked to a few enthusiasts, and it's almost like you being there. And I was narrating as well. I wasn't just quietly walking around. Showing cars. I actually talked about some of the cars there and how some were great, elegant, and some not so great, but it was good nonetheless. Thank you so much, Danny, my pleasure indeed. So, AJ Thompson says, how much of a reliable power increase would you get for a high compression turbo engine, 13 to one, over more the conventional and popular eight half non-compression ratio using a K24C7 M96 as examples, 4,000 horsepower. So, the one thing will happen is that you do get to a point of diminishing returns. 13 to one, you still may be able to see some good things, but I definitely would like to be able to see a proper camshaft so that the dynamic compression is in a decent spot and your static is not ridiculously high to where you can induce easy pre-ignition. Now, what you realize above and beyond just having a high compression, you realize better throttle response, you make more power, less boost, but you do need to run a proper fuel and you can keep it with the proper tuning very reliable. If you're getting to a thousand horsepower, AJ for you and I building the engine, it won't be so bad. But if it's something you want to put out to the street, to the masses, To someone who's just a tight-standard customer, you don't know what fuel they may come across, even with a very aggressive NUC protocol. So for something that is not in an in-house or experimental vein, I would lower the compression because you don't know what fuel your client may end up using. So I hope that helps. Um, What kind of gas mileage am I 1,000 horsepower project getting? It depends. Now, surprisingly, Mr. Freak, that's a good question because here's the beauty of running a very large turbo on an application because you run a very large turbo and you're in a position where you don't get spooled to high RPMs, when you're cruising, you are cruising in a vacuum. So it's like a not so efficient NA setup. When I say not so efficient, you have the turbine wheel in the way of the exhaust gas, so that takes away some efficiency. And typically most project cars do run in the lower compression ratio, static compression ratio uh, uh, environments. So that being said, you don't have the best use of mechanical leverage because your temperature is not super high when you're cruising. And plus you have this large blockage in the exhaust stream which is a turbine wheel. So on average I've seen honestly uh, about 22 miles per gallon on average on gasoline and much less on E85 as low as geez 18, 17 It's not the greatest. Um, But I don't even burn them. That's like just running at stoichiometric ratios of 14.7 and the proper ratio for ethanol if you're running ethanol fuel. So I hope that helps, you know? MJ, so you saw the video. I hope you liked it. Thank you so much. My thoughts on the AMFIC. So Torque SEX10, if you had an OBD0 setup, that's a very nice cost-effective way of being able to adjust fuel emission timing independently. If you have an earlier generation OBD1, it may be okay. The problem with the FIC with OBD2 setups is that some of the computers nowadays are very clever whereby when you set up your fuel and ignition ratios, especially fuel ratios, that gives you the ideal power for your setup, the ECU could see it and, and, and put it back to factory. They could, in a short term or long term trim, put things back. Now, if you're very comfortable with AMFIC, you could trick the factory ECU into seeing voltages that it thinks is stoichiometry, even though you're much richer to keep your project very safe. Two challenges I have with that is, one, it doesn't allow me to have fail safes in the system, like boost cuts. It doesn't have like, fail safes like knock control, which is very important to me. And with some of the modern trigger wheels, it gets very upset when you tap into it. So the FIC is a good solution for earlier generation stuff. Anything newer, OBD2 newer, I'm not a big fan. I'd rather go with a standalone or a flash, you know. What's the chance of, of uh, obtaining the heat gaskets for the Mitsubishi 4G72? I don't have access to those and to do one-off ones could be expensive i'll give you an example sorry about the noise in the background i'm able to help all of you with the 24 dollar gasket ship because i have quite a few i want to help everyone but if i'm to start afresh and do a one-off with programming drawing up and so on and so forth and making a short run it's gonna cost hundred dollars each gasket so if you're if you're able to um Bear the cost of a hundred-dollar gasket each shooting, which still pays for itself after three uses. Then, by all means, send an email to me at sales@vismall.com. i would be more than happy to help draw it up and have it manufactured for you. But if that's out of your budget, or you still insist on using factory gaskets, which are about thirty dollars so and you have to change them each time, then I won't be able to help you. Thank you, Daz from the UK, for Phoenix. I will keep doing that. I love working out. Hello, Fox Design. Good seeing you. Do I have Z6 non-non-notch piston rods? No. Because um, Mogoli is asking for the Z6, do I have any rods that don't allow you to notch? And the problem is, for you to give the strength and integrity that's required for high horsepower applications or decent horsepower applications, the rods have to have a physical width. And with that, you have to add a minimum notch. It's a small operation to do. If you're not comfortable doing it, take it to a machine shop, but I do not. I wouldn't even design rods like that because customers may put it in a high horsepower application and they bend, and it can cause Havoc for my customers, so I do not have those at all. You know, is an S2 Ultra Race 90 millimeter manifold too big for a Z1 CineVar prank on E85 and possibly stage two cams? Yes, that's a bit much. Um, especially if you're going to do any, if you're using a stage two cam, that means you're not a full race application. A 90 millimeter is pretty big. What will happen is you'll have a very strange driving phenomenon right when that throttle body opens slightly. So, when you open slightly, you have so much air coming in. It won't make for a good driver. I would really hover if you want something big in the 74 range. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, yeah, please do, CRV, by all means, you know. Mugly, please share the comment again. So much is coming in. Have a great day as well, NAT Designs. Um, Nathan said, I'm building a B20B in a CRX and Boosted, of course. He'll be using my valve train, etc. Should he use a B18C head to get BTEC or no? Is it worth it? So here's the thing. It, it depends. I like the drivability that VTEC affords you. So if your goal is let's say 350-400, no, you can stay with your B20B head, no problem. But if you're someone who wants to get decent amount of power and you want to eat your chicken habit too, meaning you want good low RPM drivability and nice high boost application drivability, then yes, the VTEC one is, is worth it. But if you're 350-400, no need, don't, don't invest any more money in it, you can definitely have a good time with your LS setup or B20 LS head, which is not a challenge, you know. Any engines on strong engines that handle lots of amounts of boost, for example, 30 PSI plus? Yes. Well, first, it depends on your turbocharger. So if you're talking about 30 PSI on a GT28 turbo versus 30 PSI on a GT45, that's different. But one engine that handles boost very well is the 2JZ Toyota. And with that, you can push quite a bit of boost with the type of turbos that people typically use, which is pretty nice, you know? Where did my D-Series cam gear go? They're not on the v website anymore. Actually, we still had some. I just sold some on Friday. So we're probably out of stock, and we'll be getting some soon. I think I may have a red and a blue one in stock, but those are not very pretty. But I have a batch of black ones coming. Shoot me an email, and I'll notify you when they're back in stock, you know? Um, Yes, you're absolutely right, DM. That is a TA Motorsports. That's a topic we've discussed quite a bit. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Rip. Day King, Rip the King? Yes, you want to cruise in vacuum, then turbo siding is, is, is critical. So I did good. I know you mentioned you wanted something that spools quick, but also gives you a decent amount of power. Anything that spools very quick, what will happen is when you're cruising, you'll be in boost. And when you're in boost, that means you're pushing air into the engine. And to keep your engine safe, when you have that air forced in, you have to have the appropriate amount of fuel. And fuel consumption is always something that comes in hand with more air. So what I did in my wagon, where the old first wagon I had, which is very nice, and even the wagon I have now, is I sized the turbo in such a way that when cruising, it's in vacuum and it's nice. Not when I'm cruising, I'm in boost. So that being said, when you tip into a boost, is there. And that has a lot to do with only your turbo sizing, but also the AR housing that you have for your turbocharger, you know? Kevin says VTEC is always worth it. Yes, it also depends on your driving style. It really does. Um, if you shift in vacuum, you produce better mileage. Micro- <laughs> yes. Uh, can the rx7 fd3 ever run consistently absolutely sir yes it can you know i want to buy pieces of rods but i want to know if they are non-notch so mogli no um you can buy from me but once again as i mentioned i don't design rods that you don't have to notch because the only way to get a d-series rod for performance to clear with this 90 millimeter stroke is to have a very thin or close to factor which doesn't give of it, your strength. I'm big on reliability. And if it means you taking time and notching in the bottom of your sleeve, do it to allow you to have liability. If you can't do it, send it to a machine shop and it's not that expensive to have them notch it for you. It's not a big deal. It is the way to go, you know? L. Don Spencer asks, would a faulty oil piston ring cause excessive smoke condition under water on the throttle on a turbocharged engine? the compression is consistent across all centers. Yes it could. But you know what else could cause you to have black and blue smoke? Especially if you have a built engine crankcase pressure. So what happens is because you're boosted and boost elements are getting past the rings, it can cause a situation in the crankcase where you build a lot of pressure. And what happens is it can upset or unseat the oil control rates and cause that as well. So, if you don't have a proper system that allows you to evacuate your crankcase pressure, invest in one, you may be surprised. You may be surprised indeed, you know? That's pretty good, Unique, and you can totally do that, you know? Uh, Good afternoon, Jamaica. Danka, good seeing you, thank you for joining us. Um, When will we see the Santa Fe, your most powerful car, and we never see it? Well, I didn't good, I got rid of it. Um, Hyundai gave us that uh, chassis in the m- middle of the, I would say cycle of the setup, and that's it, they changed the body style, So there's no need for us to keep promoting it. So the car was sold away and somewhere in down West LA or something like that, and then the, some of the engine components are still here, so it's no longer with us, you know? Um, what is my take, says Iniola, on engineering management as a master's course in the field of automobile, I think it's fantastic. So I did my master's in engineering management, and what it does, it gives you a very strong background in using engineering principles to become more efficient with design, with sales, and marketing to some extent. It allows you to pay attention to economics of scale, even when you're designing a plant. It tells you about how to better manage people and to manage the plant design so that if one section of the plant breaks down, you can design another section of the plant and have it function while that's being repaired, and not have any downtime or loss of revenue. So it's a fantastic, fantastic course that can span over multiple fields, whether it's automotive, it can span into pharma, it can span into chemical, it can span into nuclear, it can span into uh, uh, agricultural. It's a very well sought out curriculum. So I would say that you should explore it. You know? You record these and post them somewhere. Great question, Kabagas, Kabages, and I do. So after we finish our interaction today, I leave it up on Instagram for 24 hours. Then I take the extra step, as I'm doing now, as recording it, my voice live, and I put it up through podcasting, through um, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, uh, Podbean, I put it through all those networks so that if you're working out or you're walking your dogs or in the loo or whatever the case may be, you can listen to our interaction. And that's why I repeat the questions as well so that people can understand where I'm coming from. So you can totally do that. And that being said, um, I also follow up. I don't stop there. I put it on, on, on YouTube. So if you don't follow the Beast Model YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe. Also, click on the bell so you can be notified when I put new videos up. And I even have a playlist for all of the Beast Model Tech Tuesdays. So you can reference at your leisure, day or night, with the United States or overseas. Unique fa 5 is asking, have I done any tuning with Flash Pro? Jerome, what do you think? Have I done any tuning with Flash Pro? Just a few. (laughs) He said just a few. Um, Tons! As a matter of fact, not only have I done tuning with Flash Pro, I've done a lot of beta testing with Honda themselves. Well, there's Doug and Derek, the two proprietors there. We've done a lot of testing for the Type R, for the S2K. We've done a ton of things for the 9th Gen Civic and CRZ when it first came out. I still have the beta unit that they had initially. Yes, I've done quite a bit with them. Rico, if you see her up front, she has the uh, keys to the black car and the silver car. Yeah, thank you sir. That's my good friend Rico, he comes and takes care of me, takes very good care of me. He is from Foam Brothers, and if you're in a greater 909, 951 area, he does a smashing job of keeping my cars looking pretty all the time, which is pretty nice. Um, best engines that like big boost I just mentioned, definitely the 2JZ, 1JZ to some extent, you know? Um, Will I reach out to you for his new Porsche build? Yes, Red and I talk all the time. It's my schedule is absolutely ridiculous. So I may not be able to help him this time, which is so sad, you know? How much would I charge for notching? 120. How capable would the M96 be as a drag engine? What Mao head flow? Mao? You see from it, what Mao? I don't know, I, I, most head flow? Could I see the percenter on pump 85? See, the one thing that I haven't pushed on the M96 engines is how well the heads handle heat. So if you think about it, AJ, what are internal combustion engines? And I talk about this a lot. What are they, really? They're energy converters, glorified energy converters, where it takes the chemical energy of air, or better yet, the oxygen in air, combined with the chemical energy and collect content of the fuel being used, when combined in the right combination, you take that chemical energy, you ignite it, It turns through the element of combustion, that chemical energy into heat. That heat energy then in turn, in a perfect situation, does perfect work on top of the dome of the piston, which then pushes down on the piston and rod, which then the crankshaft turns that up and down motion into rotational motion. So that being said, what does that mean? The only way to make more power is to have controllable heat that increases. So if I want to make 300 horsepower per cylinder, I have to generate a decent amount of heat. How well the M96 head handle? I have not tested to that situation. I have comfortably tested it close to I would say maybe 180 per cylinder without qualm. but 300 per cylinder, even though the head flow could support it, I don't know if the metallurgy of the head would. So I hope that helps. My pleasure, Muguli. My pleasure indeed. Yes, I would love to play with Ecotech. I love different engine management solutions, it's the only one I haven't played with recently could I explain the tuning advantages of Q16 versus an ethanol raised fuel? You know, so when it comes to tuning advantages, here's the thing. Q16 contains a lot of olefins. And what that does with the olefin and also oxygenate compounds, is it allows an opportunity to make more power per unit fuel consumed. Meaning, because it has the oxygenate, it has almost like a oxygen that could be released in the combustion chamber, which when you add the proper amount of fuel, you can make more power. Also, the advantages of Q16 is that you don't need as much fuel to make the same amount of power. So you don't have to go crazy with injector size. So if you're limited injector size, you don't have to lose your mind. For example, if you want to make 1,000 horsepower on an inline four, and you have access to to the uh, 2200cc injectors from, from, let's say, Bosch, you may get limited based upon your fuel requirements. especially if you have a decent fuel pressure. You may be limited to 850, maybe 890 horsepower to the wheels. But with Q16, you can get to the four-digit mark at regular not-so-crazy fuel pressure ratios. So that's one advantage. The disadvantage of the Q16 is because it contains olefins, it's not very compatible with a lot of injectors, including the one I just mentioned, the 2200cc ones from Bosch, which are really natural gas injectors, but they have these very specialized seals that can get swollen up if you use Q16. Also, Q16 requires a significant amount of maintenance. You have to pickle the system, meaning after you run Q16, if you want to sit for a while, you have to be able to flush the system very nicely. While with E85, you don't have to worry about contaminating injectors, also, if you have limited, um, if you're seeing it set up for about a, a month or two, you don't necessarily have to drain the system. Even though it is hygroscopic, means that E85 does have affinity to absorb moisture from the, from the atmosphere. If you have in a steel container or a steel tank, it's not so bad an idea. And also, E85 is readily available. I've used both fuels with great success. Q16 smells really nasty if you breathe it, so I wouldn't advise you to breathe it. I wouldn't even advise you to breathe exhaust fumes from, from an E85, but it is a much cleaner fuel, so I hope it helps. You know? Van. good seeing you. Hope everything is well. He said he's elbow deep in J35 Odyssey timing belt replacement other than what comes in the kit. What else would behoove him to do a BCmodo, to do Bissimondo? Bissimondo, a big turbo, an engine management, and a manual gearbox. All that would be pretty cool to have, you know? Um, Do you think that uh, rating octane and tuning for it is a good way to improve mileage? I think tuning is very good, especially if you have the capability of tuning for lean burn. You can increase mileage significantly. Another way is to do whatever you can to reduce friction significantly in the engine itself. Meaning, don't just throw any stupid oil in there. Use something that does a great job of increasing lubricity and is much slipperier for your engine so it takes less energy to move your components while protecting. And many of you know what I would recommend. Of course, Purell, which is their aerospace oil, which is absolutely... Smashing. Yep, there is a blue cam gear. I do have it. It's like a darker blue. It's a little bit darker than the t-shirt I'm wearing. I should make a pink one to commemorate. But anyway, it's a little bit darker blue than this. But I do have it. I do have it, you know? What about a .404-48 ar Now that, depending on your wheel size. So let's say you are using a, what's a good size of D-Series would be happy with? Let's say a 48, 50, 52 millimeter Exducer wheel. If you put a .48 AR, that thing will spool quickly. You may end up driving and cruising in boost, but it's gonna significantly choke your top end power. And for the power you wanna make, knowing you, you may go to a .6364, you know? Nathan Heist says, I've always used a low compression with turbo. I know you like high compression and trust your knowledge. If I go with a B20B, B18 C head, what compression should I shoot for? So it depends. If you're using a stock sleeve, you can't push that too much because the B20B sleeves are very slender. Aren't they, Dron? Yes. yes, he said yes, that's true. Anyway, but if you're sleeving, it, it won't really matter. Or if you do some really cool reinforcement, it wouldn't really matter. But I think a happy medium if you have access to both ninety one octane and eighty five would be ten and a half, maybe eleven to one. With a tuner, that's okay and you should be okay, you know? Oh, have a good day, DA, it's good seeing you indeed. It's a pleasure, you know? Is your parts inventory still available, just special order, depends on which parts you have. I still have some parts in stock. I have some parts in special order, depends. I'm stuck, I have some pistons, some rods, lots of oil, um, some engine management solutions, spark plugs, um, exhaust systems, I have a couple of headers here, um, tires, quite a few, just write to me and let me know what you need, and I'd be more than happy to do that, you know? What do I think of Daz's ginger beard? I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> I can't grow one like that. I try, I can't. But it's pretty cool. I like Daryl. He's a really, really nice chap, you know? What are your thoughts on the intake metaphor with integrated WA intercooler for Honda applications? Seen a lot of LS guys with them but never seen a Honda with them. I haven't tested to know for sure because I'm sure it really heavily depends on not only the core design and fin design as well, the last thing you want is to be able to create a situation where you don't have good laminar flow into the intake. But I haven't tested it yet. So I wouldn't be in the best position to be able to answer that question. But when I do, I promise you, I will share that information with you. You know? Yeah, am I going to Fontana on Sunday? Oh my God, now I feel bad. Jerome, do you know anything about what's happening in Fontana on Sunday? See, Jerome doesn't know. I don't know either. Let me know what's happening on Sunday. I just found out. Don't feel bad. I just found out about the i back Throwback beat from you guys on Tech Tuesday. No, after that even. I think on Thursday when I posted something, and I was there on Saturday, I had no clue. So let me know about what's going on Sunday. I'll be more than happy to do that. K20 with around 300 horsepower, would you suggest turbo NA supercharger for daily dri- ability? So at 300 horsepower, and I zoom him into the wheels, 300 horsepower K-series, daily driven would be pretty interesting, because you need a decent sized camshaft, and a decent sized uh, compression to be able to do that to the wheels, to the crank, not so bad. The easiest, easiest in the world would be a toss-up between turbocharging and supercharge. If you're never going to increase your capability ever, and you want to be able to feel like you have an NA setup that's a big, hunking, efficient setup, supercharge is the way to go, because it feels like a more powerful NA setup. You have that linear composition without any lag. But if you're like me, and you love the sounds of turbochargers, and you have the capability of not having heat management issues and you also want to have the flexibility to expand it on very easily, turbo is the way to go. So, George Reid, I see what you're saying. That's great, but you can't push power with those. So, I'm not a huge advocate of doing things that are not beginning with the end in mind because you never know what customers do. And you know what happens when you bend a rod or break it? They blame the manufacturer, so I just will not do it. You know? I also don't sell Vitara pistons, yeah. Even though people do it. See, he's laughing. So because it exists doesn't mean it's right. Just say, you know? Does your K-series intake gasket specific to an intake manifold, or does it apply to all? It depends. So I have the earlier K stuff. So you have the K20As. I have earlier ones for that. I have the later ones, like a 24s And something you may see with the later ones that have the little weird um, coolant port. If you're looking for K24Z3 or Z7 for the ninth gen, I don't have those. I typically modify those to be able to work. Them. I don't have those commercially available, you know? Danka asks, BC, what are your thoughts on the one JZ z that VIN has for daily use and drifting sometimes? Do you think you'll make 450 and maybe 4-something torque on 99 octane? And what is available at the pump, though? So here's the deal. Um, you have to check with your local authorities. So if you're in an area where that kind of setup is illegal, you cannot drive around. And so if you are allowed to do that kind of setup with a full standalone, and no catalyst, and all that good stuff in your vicinity, then by all means you can. What limited me with Vince's car at 400 to the wheel is knock, 91 octane. Now bear in mind he had 91 that was in there for a while, but I tune cars for what they want. Can you push 450? Yes you could, but it won't last very long. Not with how his setup was at the time. Reliability is extremely important to me. And what limited me at 400 was the knock capability of the fuel he ran. So. When I started pushing north of 400, the, it wasn't super noisy, but I think if my memory says me correctly, cylinder five was extremely noisy. I added fuel, retarded timing in that realm in high boost where that happened. And long story short, it continued to knock. So I put it back to 400 where it was safe. I built a knock protocol, so if it ever gets to a hot day or a bad batch of fuel, or something happens, within reason, the ECU will retard timing automatically per cylinder and add fuel per cylinder to keep his engine safe. One easy way to be able to do that is to add a camshaft. So if you have the aftermarket camshaft to that VVTI head, maybe something that's custom, something we can design, you by all means can reach or even exceed that goal. But he had a factory camshaft in there. So that limited us, so I hope that helps. Is there any need for vacuum pumps for better ring sealing and modern engines? Yes and no. Modern engines typically have it. You know how you have that PVC that goes from your valve cover to your intake manifold? That is a pseudo pump. So what happens is air rushes into your intake as per consumption of your engine. You create a differential, you create a depression. A depression where it creates a vacuum via the crankcase because of the intake air rushing into your intake. So that being said, it is required. It helps with emissions, helps with CO, yes. When most people do crazy modifications, they take them out. On my inside, I have two nice pumps, two housings that help suck, suck that out and create power and ceiling for me. So it's good to have, you know? Are you gonna be the G80 Sport or G70? Great question. I just had interaction last week with Irwin, who is the president of the Genesis division. So let's see what happens. Takes time. Nothing set in stone right now. Thanks for the, reverse brother, the response, brother, says, Y70, my good friend Edgar and Eric, the twins. Yes, yes, great. I do the insane racing. Yes, insane racing. Actually, those are the guys who bought my CRX. They need to bring that car out, make sure it runs. <laughs> <laughs> have I ever done any off-road or street legal off-road bills? Yes, I have. Hello, damn it, Sam87, good seeing you. Good evening, Marco. Alfie, how are you? Good to see you. How did it come up for you to tune the Honigain 1JZ S14? Well, very simple. Um, I've had very successful projects with them over there. So as you may think far back to, wow, years ago when Brian Scoto built his uh, RWB car, I met him to buy his old fenders for a project. So that's how I interacted with them. And they knew about me, but we never interacted. And that established a relationship. So we started by doing some things with Insight, and then, if you remember not too long ago, I took over the Odyssey, which is right next to me here. As you can see, I'm just turning this over here, so you guys can see it, that's the Odyssey right there. And then, we carried on to bringing over, I think we did something, something with the, uh, the Cayman, that's in the showroom. And we did something at, uh, with KW at Willow Springs. Then, we had the opportunity to take the center seat, which is outside the door go right there. And then now wagon. So they have seen my projects and how successful they've been and how I have so much fun and how they are fantastic. They get exposed to tons of builders and tuners. And when they saw what I was able to do, they were very impressed and wanted to tune their own cars, which is pretty nice. Happy Tuesday as well, Alfie. Good seeing you. I think I said, now it's so. Do you have any plans to make a shop monster when you build purely for big numbers? Um, I don't really, you know, I don't build purely for big numbers, I think good. It's, it's really a proof of concept. So, Many times, I do something to see how far we can push it. One example was the Mustang, which I wasn't, that thing was laggy, it was horrible. But it got to a very high number, 900s, but it was horrible, hated that. Even smoked weird, it was just a weird, weird setup. And then um, other projects I have, talking about future projects I have coming up, right here I have the 190E, which I want to do some crazy stuff with. We have the, I want to shock people with the AW1, um, AW11 uh, MR2, so we have that coming on. We're negotiations with Acura, negotiations with Honda, negotiations with Hyundai, negotiations with Ford. We have all these brands we're negotiating with to do some really cool stuff. You know, just this, here we go. So it depends. Have you ever thought about making a DVD about vehicle education that would break down block to crank to compression and so on? I haven't thought of that. That may be a good idea, Dark Star. I really haven't thought of that, you know? Deep, and Deep says BC Empire Auto FTW. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Here, Darren said thank you very much as well. Thank you so much cabbages, good seeing you. Would you have the same dynamic compression ratio with low static compression ratio with a small cam as high? Yes you would, absolutely. So AJ asking, would you have the same dynamic compression ratio with low static compression with a small cam as a high static compression ratio with a big cam? Absolutely, dynamic is what really matters when you really think about it and break it down. You know? Also do you think learning tuning from a high performance academy is a good way to learn tuning? It is, but there's nothing better than first-hand experience, than getting a project your car yourself and playing with it yourself. Not customers' cars, but your own. AM Infinity, so speaking of AM Kevin, I did send your EC yesterday, you need more time with it, so hopefully I can hear back from them tomorrow, which would be nice, you know? Where's the Volvo at? I don't have a Volvo. <laughs> They're all frowning over here. I don't have a Volvo. Now, when I was at the uh, event this weekend, in Corona at IBOC, I saw a cool Volvo. Wagon. I'm like, oh, I should build one of these, but I haven't built one yet. I don't even have one yet, at all. How's the SQ2K behind you? I have one it. You do, Darkstar. Star? Well, this is a 2004 S2000. Um, it has a factory full-track duty. It's Brad Muggs. He is the uh, previous GM for Norm Reeves, and he brought it here so we can do a baseline, see where it is, and then upgrade to AM Infinity so he can have a lot of fun. So I'm gonna build a bunch of fail-safes in for him, do launch control for him, given the capability to have impeccable drivability and improve his lap times on the track without sacrificing fuel ratio or fuel economy, you know? That Accord was on Flash Pro. Uh, which Accord? Yeah, we've had quite a few. I've had Accords on Flash Pro, I've had Accords on K-Tuner, quite a bit. How do I feel about the AB1824? Please talk about it. Okay, I'd be more than happy to. This is the California law where people are so scared and losing their minds about what's going on, and what's very strange is that Kevin and I were talking about that this weekend, and Kevin even educated me on a lot of this, this, because he spoke to quite a few people in law enforcement. The law has been there, Alfie, it hasn't changed much. In other words, the major change in it is that an exhaust violation is no longer correctable. In the past, you can pay, let's say a $200 fine, 150, whatever the jurisdiction is, go to court, show that it was signed off or repaired, or justified, and then you get your money back, no problem. Now it is not correctable, meaning if you get a ticket, you have to pay the fine. Now the fine is still $200. This $1,000 thing, I don't know where it came from. Kevin and I talked about it quite a bit. That could be the highest fine you could pay, but it's $200. So here's the thing it's not all exhaust systems. If you have exhaust systems, oh my god, I have customers, I don't know if you have the same things they're on, but I have customers, they're losing their minds. I'm going back to stock, I'm going back to stock. Guys, it's not that. There's a decibel level that is acceptable. And if you're within that acceptable deci- decibel level, it's not a challenge at all. If you want to be super proactive, you can take your exhaust system to certain facilities that can give you a certificate to show what decibel level is, and you can show it to a police officer. Here is the caveat, here's the, here's the nitty gritty. Don't be rude to police officers, period. If a police officer pulls you over, be cooperative, be nice, it's not a challenge. Many officers are here, enthusiasts just like you and I. They love cars, they're not out there to get you. They really want to be able to assist and make sure that everyone is safe. Now if you have an exhaust that's just ridiculously loud and you have a downpipe and so on and so forth it's out of control, yeah. But if you have an exhaust system that falls within that, I don't know if it's 95 decibels or so on and so forth, it's acceptable. You can have an aftermarket exhaust. If anything, I think it makes a great opportunity for many exhaust designers including myself to go back to the drawing board and create products that can be used in California and other 49 states. Which is pretty nice. You know? Let's see. I think I, oh, you guys have so many great questions, I'm missing most of them. Okay. Hello, Palo baby, all the way from Nigeria. Good seeing you. Thank you so much. How do sound levels make people safe? No one ever died from a straight. <laughs> That's true. But you know what? Um, you are very naughty, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is thinking a white pipe wi pipe boys? you have a factory exhaust, like what Jeremiah has, at a press of a button or a switch or toggle of a lever, you can go from uh, quiet to loud at leisure. And you can have an engine management solution that can correct for it, which would be nice, you know? It doesn't. It's just one of those rules. Same way you'll say, you know, sometimes some people do complain that it's a bit of a nuisance, especially in your schools or hospitals or so on and so forth, so it depends. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's an opportunity. Um, it, it, it's very peculiar. Boosted Boy Dre says, I am using a fully spilled sleeve 822 on Boost for a summer daily. Cannot wait to use Pure All. I'm hoping to be able to enjoy it for commuting. Neptune, RTP, ECU, good. You know, the guys from Neptune are also the same people who are uh, responsible for K2O, which is pretty nice. And their system is very, very nice and very user friendly as well. And it tends to fill some of the niches that Honda doesn't fill, which is very nice. But of course, with Pure All, you will love it. Very high heat resilience, very high chemical resilience. It is my all of choice and those guys know their stuff. From aerospace, they are bad ass. they're bad, you know? Um, to go 85 on a B16 turbo with 440 cc injectors work? It depends on your horsepower goal. If your horsepower is 350, then no, you'll be fine. <laughs> Barely. You may want to go to 1000 cc's, that's what I would do. The 1000 cc Bosch injectors, the EV14s, they are pretty cost effective nowadays, they give you Great opportunity to expand, go 1300 if you could, if your budget allows you to. But they have such a fast, how should I say, they have such fast coils inside the bodies that you don't have any idling problems whatsoever, whether you're an ED5, flex fuel, or gasoline. That's what I would do. Don't muck around with 440s, you need more than that. If you're an NA, road racing, trying to do 200 horsepower to the wheels, knock yourself out. V16 turbo, and you want to be able to push a little bit of power and have good good, I would say, duty cycle, that would be an 85 or lower to allow your judges to work the way they should, please invest in some thousand cc's. That would be really nice, you know? Um, Haha, <laughs> that's so fun. I don't think that's the case, Kamikaze, but that's pretty nice, you know? Yeah, Valley fitted, you're absolutely right. They're very cost-effective, you can, you know? Do you think stroking an F20B with F23B bottom end would be worth it for a turbo setup? Well, you know, once again, Caitlin, you are force-inducing, so, the one thing, when you stroke, you're trying to increase displacement, getting more air into the engine. When you're turbocharging, you get more into the engine. The simple thing for you to do is to keep your F20B as is. We have pistons for that already, very cost effective in the 400 range. We have rods for that already in the 400 range, very cost effective. Upgrade that and you're good to go. You don't have to worry about that. I have pistons, everything from I think like 8 to 1 to 12 to 1. So you don't have to stroke. Just Use what you have and use the turbocharger as your advantage. It's pretty straightforward. Um, I haven't checked yet, Mr. Jimmy. He's asking, does my wagon pass California emissions? I don't know. I haven't checked yet. Is a manual transmission possible in a TLX Acura? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Is a BC motor new Acura Type R ever going to happen? Acura Type R. I don't know any Acura Type R's that are new. Please share me. I'm meeting with Acura tomorrow. I have lunch with the. Uh, head of experiential marketing tomorrow. I'll ask her about the Acura Type R. I'm not familiar with the new Acura Type R. Please do tell me, dip in deep. Um, go to standalone ECU for most of my projects, AM Infinity. That's my standalone. AM Infinity here. AM Infinity is going in this track car of a customer. AM Infinity is in the car that Duran's working on right now. AM Series 2 in the Porsche here. AM Infinity is going to Mercedes. Um, AM Infinity is going to the MR2 is going in this 9, nine um, not 9, sorry, yeah, 912, AM in my Insight, <laughs> Amphini's in the purple, the yeah, Musso Reportia. I'm, I'm all about that, you know? I know. Um that. Is my turbo kit engine modification for wagon seal carbon compliant? I don't know yet, mister. <laughs> I haven't submitted it yet. <laughs> You're asking the same questions over and over again. So question, the answer is, no, I have not tested it yet. No, I have not submitted it to CARB yet. I don't know yet. That's why you see me sometimes I trailer to events and pull out a trailer. I don't know yet. Opinions on twin charge supercharger fed turbos, Group B style. I think it's fantastic. Johnny, it gives you the best of both worlds. It gives you the opportunity to have the advantages of no lag with the supercharger and the high horsepower flexibility potential of the turbocharge application, which is pretty nice. Um, which am do I have? Okay, on this I have a 708. On this one we're putting a 506. On that one I have a 708. I have a series 2 SUBI box on this one. Um, on that one I have a 506 as well. So the 506 is the ECU that allows me to use both peak and hold and saturated injectors. has 6 coil outputs and 6 injector outputs. So anything from a V6 to an um, uh, inline 4 or single cylinder. It has a maximum of that, which is pretty nice, you know? Um, I know you're kidding, Mr. Johnny, just give me a hard time. If you don't want to push my buttons, that doesn't push my buttons. If you want to push my buttons, talk about and uh, deep, deep Nose, talk about my, actually, I think Good nose very well. Talk about Retard Pistons, and what else do I think we said about? I think Pistons and eBay Turbos. Those two things, yeah, you get to me, yeah. Thank you so much, Jojo. I appreciate the kind words. What am I going to do to modify the new electric Porsche model? Play with the inverters. The inverter has so much, cap- imagine this. You know how you may see those uh, hydraulic, oh time is flying, we're having so much fun. You know how you see those hydraulic um, uh, a pneumatic valve train that Renault played with, with the F1, and some manufacturers play along with it. I think Koenigsegg is doing great with it as well. Where you have full control, you don't even need a throttle body, where you can just actuate each valve individually, and you can maximize efficiency based upon that. By all means, that is similar to what you can do with electric motors. You have full control inverter, you can make it simulate um, full torque at one RPM, which will break a bunch of stuff. You can make it simulate and turn a combustion engine. You can, de- you can use it to control the regen function, where you can use the brakes to stop the car, or you can let off of it, it'll stop like a go-car. You just let off and it'll stop the car. There's so much you can do. So getting access to that is one way to be able to modify. I think it opens up a world of possibilities in terms of modification and supercharging, you know? How difficult would it make an engine twin-charge, like a 2J-Z or a 1UZ? It's not so difficult if you had the engine base space. You know? What's the next build idea? I would say to incorporate efficiently. You know what? Let's talk about something crazy. To take old school cars and infuse modern EV technology. Yeah. We you have see, Eddie? Should we sit it together? Yeah. Do I have here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Next creative project after the wagon, it's a toss up between the 190E right here I'm looking at and the AW1, no I keep saying AW1, AW11 MR2, you know that would be pretty cool, you know, yes the ultimate Mi1 C63, ultimate resto mod, the ultimate resto mod would be infusing modern technology in the EV realm with all the advantages, where you can have individual wheel control. You can do a front wheel burnout. You can do a real wheel burnout. You can do an all wheel burnout. You can vector the car based upon energizing certain wheels and de-energizing the other. It's pretty cool, you know? Diesels, I think good, as he says, a big power of diesel, are becoming less and less advantageous in terms of appeal for the masses. So Porsche is one of the first manufacturers who are gonna do away completely with diesels. And many other people follow suit because no matter what we do, no matter the advantages that we have, is still viewed as a dirty fuel, you know? So that guy Grayson says I should do a Honda CRZ build. Can you believe that, The Duranda? <laughs> Duran's laughing. So the guy Grayson over there in the corner is the first turbocharged ever CRZ that we did with Honda as far back as 2010. It was, I think still is, the most powerful CRZ to ever grace the planet at 533 horsepower. And I should just name her Gearbox Destroyer because that's what she does. She destroys gearboxes. Did you help me change the gearbox in that once? No. Okay, that was before. So at the old shop, it, we changed it so many times that my good friend David, who now has access to it, had me detuned to 350 because it was just destroying gearboxes left and right. So, we've done quite a bit in terms of CRZs. We're the first designer for the piston, first rod designer. It's, it's a pretty potent engine, so we've done that, you know? Do I, do you make NSX engine conversions for an Odyssey minivan? Is it possible to swap manuals to it? No, I don't, only because there's no market for that, son of pain, Uh, son of pain, the C engine, what is it, C30 or the C32, are very hard engines to come by and extremely expensive. It's so expensive that most in SoCal, I can't talk about the rest of the nation, but in Southern California, most NSX guys are now opting to put a K-series in their NSX, take out their C-series engine and put up, so no. Um, It is possible to do, but no, not at all. There's no C conversion because there's no demand. Is it possible to swap a manual? Yes, right here next to me is Odyssey we did as far back as 2013, and we used an Acura TL Type S gearbox to convert to a manual with a custom shifter based upon an EP setup and custom pedal for the clutch. What trans would you use for a TLX manual conversion? What trans would I use? You have many options. the easiest thing would be a TLX. Duran, for the TLX, what engine do they use for that, for that TLX? He knows a lot more than the accurate than I do. I want to say it's a C. Is it a K? Yeah, it's a K. So not, they, didn't, they never use a J, right? No. OK. It's so easy. I mean, that being said, you have a multitude of K-series applications you can use. You can use standard SI. You can use, um, wow, quite a few. You can use Element, CRV, there are quite a few you can use. Any thoughts on LSV tech? I think it's a cost-effective way to combine the advantages of a G-Tech head, ideally with the bottom end that's more cost-effective and/or much more displacement if you're going with the B20. So I like the LSD tech. I think it's pretty cool. Limit of CRV 5-speed would equip LSD horsepower and torque-wise. Limit of CRV 5-speed So one thing about a CRV 5-speed is that the gears are much wider than the 6-speed. So I like that for a K-series application. Would equip LSD. Then we've pushed LSDs into the four digits with no qualms. Horsepower and torque, here's what's very interesting. And Geron can actually attest to this. I've seen customers break K-Series gearboxes with stock horsepower. And I've seen people put 800 horsepower and not break it. So it has a lot to do with driving style. And maybe age and care of the gearbox. Was that right? Yeah, so maintenance, as you said. You know. What's the gearbox code you used in the original wagon build? I used, oh I don't know what code the gearbox was, I don't remember, but I did use the gearbox out of the EK. So that was a um, 96 to 2000 Civic EX. Only because that gearbox has forks that are steel, opposed to the EG ones, which are hydraulic but also had aluminum setup, so I didn't like that at all. Uh oh, I get a red light, it's time for me to leave. Oh my god, I'm just having so, so much fun with you guys. Um, Nights are taking control, Nights are taking control. Would I ever build an off-road minivan? I'd love to. How are you affected by the new California exhaust laws? I'm not affected at all because I understand the law itself. It limits you on going crazy with exhaust systems. All it requires you is to modify your exhaust in such a way that it doesn't exceed the decibel levels that are considered obtuse or very poor. It doesn't mean everyone goes to stock exhaust. It does not mean that at all. That law has been in effect. The only change is that it is no longer correctable. So I hope that helps. So guys, I'm gonna run off because it's already giving me a warning. Just to show you guys, see this red right here? It's a red warning, your time is up. So before Instagram cuts me off, I'm gonna go ahead and head out. So thank you so much for joining me today. I think many of you were interested in me, um, joining me with this um, Dino Tune. So it's gonna take me a couple of hours. I don't know if they'll let me stay on for two hours for this, but I'm gonna go and start playing with this, um, this uh, uh, S2000 here. Do a baseline, see where it is in terms of power, and then do my magic with the uh, AM Infinity and see how much reliable power we can get. So thank you for joining me. This will stay up for 24 hours. Give me some feedback based upon interaction. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for Pure for making such great products. Thank you for Mike for designing such a great shirt for me. And by all means, stay tuned and see you out there. This should be up on uh, Instagram for 24 hours and then I'm going to upgrade to upload the voice to Spotify, um, iTunes, Anchor, Podbean, and then finally YouTube. Take care, everyone. Have a good day. Cheers. And live. And turn you off. Okay, we are now live. Good afternoon, everyone. And sorry for me being slightly tardy. Three minutes is shame on me. But hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Be Small Tech Tuesday. I believe this is episode 62, scary but true. Zachariah, I'm a wave to you. Qaddafi, interesting name. Nice to meet you indeed. Hello C. Perez, thank you for joining me this afternoon. Ledger, wave to you as well. Come to Turkey, it's a bit of a trek. It'll be challenging for me to do today, but thank you nonetheless. Don Doom, good seeing you. Danny G.S.R. Greetings. Good seeing you as well. Hello, Snake Force. Nothing special. Just here at the facility. Rocking my pink shirt as Zeran makes fun of me, like Cameron. But that's okay. Pink's the new black, which is really cool. Hello, Arnie. I am well. How are you? Hope things are great. Imperium, greetings. Tony, V77. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me on another exciting Tech Tuesday. What's up, Friday Craig? Kevin, thank you so much for being such a great help last week into the weekend. I appreciate that. UK is in the house. Finn, thank you for joining me all the way from England. Um, Deron is here, and he's right here, and he's laughing at me. Wait, how can you be here? And how? There's some voodoo going on here. Hello, Psycho Auto Cars. CME, good seeing you. Good afternoon. What's up, Budget Built? Yo, SoCal Dotson. Claude, good seeing you as well. Thank you so much. Greetings from San Francisco, Psycho. Good seeing you as well. Turbocharger navigator, <laughs> I could totally do that, but you might have to wait quite a while for us to get to it. North Carolina, thank you for joining this afternoon. Izzy he still? hello. Uh, Kevin says, what's going on, Duran? Just working. Yes, it's good to meet with you today as well, Psych. King, good seeing you. Okay, let's get to it as so-called that's a shame. I am well, Jared, good seeing you. Poland, thank you so much for joining me um brad's car live um that would be you know that's actually a good idea that won't be a bad idea though so i have brad's car right behind the s2000 i was going to do a baseline before i came in but i couldn't get to it so much going on here um brooklyn brooklyn's in the house good seeing you you know um wow best to you johnny i wish you the best you know by all means and Dipping deep is saying let's talk tech and before we begin Dipping deep um i would like oh Dolph. You should be studying in class, you know? You should be studying. Turbo, I look forward to exceeding your expectations as well. I have this S2000 today. Duron is working on an SI 90 like It's gonna be a lot of fun, you know? Thank you so much, Karafi. I appreciate the kind words. Jippy Lube in Costa Mesa is in the house. <laughs> Thank you for joining us all the from Jiffy Lube. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much, Javron. I appreciate the kind words. So that being said, today I want to start about, talk about really one thing in particular that I got a ton of messages on this week, which is interesting, and uh go ram. <laughs> and that is break-in, engine break-in. So right here behind me is a full road race car that we're gonna go from factory and upgrade to an AM Infinity. But the question I get a lot, and I got a lot this week for me to talk about today is about engine break-in and the proper way to do that. So of course when you have a proper break-in, a fresh engine on it for myself or Duran or some facility or something you may have done yourself. The initial critical break-in is very, very important. And of course, I use this Pure Onyx, which is a premium break-in oil. It's a mineral-based oil with very high zinc, so it protects. So that being said, um, one thing that you have to do first, if you did the engine yourself and you did a meticulous job, or someone like myself did it, or Duran, and it's impeccably done, you can literally pour in the amount that you need. In this case, I have an SA30, so if your engine requires a 020, a 530, 1030, this is what you should use to break-in. If you require at 540, 1040, 040, 2050, you should use the 40 SAE. You put in all the way to the proper fill with a new filter, you start the car up, let it idle to operating temperature, check for leaks, make sure everything is proper, and shut down. Do that warming up to operating temperature and shutting down three times. Now, if it's an engine that you don't quite know the person did a good job in keeping things clean, you want to dump it out and put in fresh oil with a fresh filter. If it was meticulously put together, you can begin your excursion two ways. You can buy it at Bismo.com. I believe they have it on Amazon as well. If you're too far away from me, um, even though I ship globally, that's no problem whatsoever. And you have two ways of breaking in properly on the dyno, like what I'm going to put this S2000 on very soon. After a partial and full throttle tune, which takes me about two to three hours, the engine is broken in. You can drain the oil and put in your oil of choice, ideally pure oil. If you have a street fairing vehicle, you can drive for two to 3,000 miles on the main road. One thing to bear in mind is not to keep a constant RPM. You want to vary throttle slightly and vary the vacuum, allow the rings to see properly because ring seal is very important. You have the zinc to protect the bearings, you have the zinc to protect the valve train, but you very much need to seal the, you know, the, the, the rings properly by having a very nice interaction of the rings and the cylinders to have nice interaction to get a very nice seal and you're good to go. Then after that, you can drain out your oil and put in your oil choice. Of course, I can't drive race cars on the street, so I typically bring them in on dyno. And if you have a street-faring vehicle that you're not too sure about the base map in it, you can also do that on the dyno as well. Hello, Automotive KMD. Um, Dip had a question. I think it had to do something with Series 1. Dim and Deep said, on a budget, we we're we smart to go with a Honda or AM version 1 for a supercharged D-series. Honda is more expensive than a good-use AM V1. Dim um, and Deep, because V1 is not supported by AM, I would not. I'd rather save up Alexa, my services, even Daryl, and get a proper V2 on Infinity. That's the way to go. And uh, I have some open box, open box uh, both Infinities and Series 2, so I can help you out there. You don't have to break the bank in getting proper engine management solutions for your setup, you know? Use the engine brakes, yes you can. You can use, of course, when you desail, it allows you to really seal the the rings very nicely as well, you know? What makes your intake gasket reusable? It seems they will compress after you install, and that's the beauty, it does not. So what you may see, especially if you install it with factory torque specs, it does not compress like you would see a composite gasket. So what makes it reusable is the material that it has and the fact that it doesn't, uh, what's the proper word I can use? Distort upon install and disinstall. And one thing that I don't talk about, which I should is, The ports on each of these tend to run slightly larger than factory. And why do they do that? So when you clamp it down and the gasket expands slightly, it doesn't stick into the ports. What I've seen with many intake gaskets out there, especially those of the heat shielding variety, a lot of them don't have the great material, which we use impeccable heat-resilient material. And secondly, the ports are the exact same dimension as factory. And what happens is when you clamp it down with slight distortion, it tends to go into the port. And what's the purpose? It tends to inhibit flow. with the be Motor ones? You don't have to worry about that whatsoever. Anisoka is asking, is oil filter important? For example, an oil filter that has the lowest micron filtration. Yes, oil filters are extremely important to keep contaminants away from where you don't want to be, which is in between the hard surfaces and the bearings, which is absolutely a big no-no. Now, here's scary about that. Small fil- micron filters are very good, but here's the danger if you get one that is not designed properly, that's super duper fine, you know what happens when those micron filters clog up? Bypass comes into play. There's a bypass built into these filters, and you don't get any filtration at all. So, even if you have long life oils that you can do six, seven thousand miles in terms of oil change, I make it a habit of changing the filter more often than that. Just the filter itself. You know. Dalton has a question about his 2018 CX-9. He wants to modify. It came with a 225 horsepower turbo. Can you do anything for me? Well, right now I can't. Because i don't have a great relationship with maza yet in terms of modification but stay tuned i may have something for you very soon but right now i don't have any products in that realm for the Mazda cx9 you know aj says we always drive the wagon van on dealer plates or get a smog checked i it, montana i don't know yet i really don't know aj thompson i haven't quite decided right here i have so much going on we have quite a few projects we're picking up and me trying to find a way to drive that on the street is the least of my worries so i haven't decided on that yet you know Thank you so much, SB machine. I have yours here. So when you visit, I'll have yours good and ready, you know? Danny just says, can I I do a compression test on your integrity? Yes, I could, but I prefer a leak down because compression doesn't tell me the the whole story. Do you know that you can have a blown gasket and do a compression test and it'll still show good results? That's why I am a huge advocate of leak down. Not only will it tell me where the culprit is, I can tell if it's a ring issue, a gasket issue, a valve issue, whether it's an intake or exhaust valve, it is a lot better way to diagnose the sealing of a cylinder. You can compress it at TDC. You can hear if you have gas escaping from the intake manifold, which means you have a proper, improper seals on intakes. Valves, you can check on exhaust there. If you open the cover for the, for the how should I say, a radiator. If you see bubbles, you know it's a head gasket. If you pressurize one cylinder and hear it escaping the other <coughs> cylinder, you know how the gasket blown between two cylinders. It is the way to go. I'm a huge advocate of that. Hello, D-Works, I am great. Hope things were well with you as well. Oh man, CRV, you missed a great event. The throwback meet at IBAC was really nice. Lots of variety. If you missed it and you wanna see what's going on, if you go on the BC Moto YouTube feed and please subscribe, you will see me do a walk around of the entire event. I walked through the whole show, talked to a few enthusiasts, and it's almost like you being there. And I was narrating as well. I wasn't just quietly walking around. Cars. I actually talked about some of the cars there and how some were great, elegant, and some not so great. But it was good nonetheless. Thank you so much, Danny. My pleasure indeed. So, AJ Thompson says, how much of a reliable power increase would you get for a high-compression turbo engine, 13 to one over more to convention and popular 8.5-9 compression ratio using a c 7 M96 as examples 4,000 horsepower? So, the one thing will happen is that you do get to a point of diminishing returns do do the one you still may be able to see some good things but I definitely would like to be able to see a proper camshaft so that the dynamic compression is in a decent spot and your static is not ridiculously high to where you can induce easy pre-ignition now what you realize above and beyond just having a high compression you legs better throttle response you make more power less boost but you do need to run a proper fuel and you can keep it with the proper tuning very reliable if you're getting to a 1,000 horsepower, AJ, for you and I building the engine, it won't be so bad. But if it's something you're to put out to the street, to the masses, to someone who's just a tight standard customer, you don't know what fuel they may come across, even with a very aggressive knock protocol. So for something that is not in an in-house or experimental vein, I would lower the compression because you don't know what fuel your client may end up using. So I hope that helps. Um, what kind of gas mileage am I 1,000 horsepower project getting? It depends. Now surprisingly, Mr. Freak, that's a good question because Here's the beauty of running a very large turbo on an application. Because you run a very large turbo and you're in a position where you don't get spooled to high RPMs, when you're cruising, you are cruising in a vacuum. So it's like a not so efficient NA setup. When I say not so efficient, you have the turbine wheel in the way of the exhaust gas, so that takes away some efficiency. And typically, most project cars do run in the lower compression ratio, static compression ratio uh, uh, environments. So that being said, You don't have the best use of mechanical leverage because your temperature is not super high when you're cruising. And plus you have this large blockage in the exhaust stream, which is a turbine wheel. So on average, I've seen honestly uh, about 22 miles per gallon on average on gasoline and much less on E85, as low as, geez, 18, 17. It's not the greatest. Um... But I don't lean burn them. That's like just running a stoichiometric ratios of 14.7 and the proper ratio for ethanol if you're running ethanol fuel. So I hope that helps, you know? MJ, so you saw the video. I hope you liked it. Thank you so much. My thoughts on the AMFIC. So torque sex 10 if you have an OBD0 setup, that's a very nice cost effective way of being able to adjust fuel emission timing independently. If you have an earlier generation OBD1, it may be okay. The problem with the FIC with OBD2 setups is that some of the computers nowadays are very clever, whereby when you set up your fuel and ignition ratios, especially fuel ratios, that gives you the ideal power for your setup, the ECU could see it and, and, and put it back to factory. They could, in a short term or long term trim, put things back. Now, if you're very comfortable with the AMFIC, you could trick the factory ECU into seeing voltages that it thinks it's stoichiometry, even though you're much richer to keep your project very safe. Two challenges I have with that is one, it doesn't allow me to have fail safes in the system, like boost cuts. It doesn't have like, fail safes like knock control, which is very important to me. And with some of the modern trigger wheels, it gets very upset when you tap into it. So the FIC is a good solution for earlier generation stuff. Anything newer, OBD2 newer, I'm not a big fan. I'd rather go with a standalone or a flash, you know. What's the chance of, of uh, obtaining the heat gaskets for the Mitsubishi 4G72? I don't have access to those, and to do one-off ones could be expensive. I'll give you an example. Sorry about the noise in the background. I'm able to help all of you with the $24 gasket chip because I have quite a few, and I want to help everyone. But if I'm to start afresh and do a one-off with programming, drawing up, and so on and so forth, and making a short run, it's going to cost $100 each gasket. So if you're if you're able to. Um, Bear the cost of a $100 gasket each shooting, which still pays for itself after three uses, then by all means, send an email to me at sales.vsimile.com. I'd be more than happy to help draw it up and have it manufactured for you. But if that's out of your budget, or you still insist on using factory gaskets, which are about $30 every change of each time, then I won't be able to help you. Thank you, Daz from the UK for Phoenix. I will keep doing that, I love working out. Hello Fox Design, good seeing you. Do I have Z6 non-notch piston rods? No. Because um, Mogoli is asking for the Z6, do I have any rods that don't allow you to notch? And the problem is, for you to give the strength and integrity that's required for high horsepower applications, or decent horsepower applications, the rods have to have a physical width. And with that, you have to add a minimum notch. It's a small operation to do. If you're not comfortable doing it, take it to a machine shop. But I do not. I wouldn't even design rods like that, because customers may put it in a high horsepower application, and they bend, and it can cause havoc for my customers. So I do not have those at all, you know? Is an S2 Ultra Race 90 millimeter manifold too big for a Z1 Cinevere prank on E85 and possibly stage two cams? Yes, that's a bit much. Um, especially if you're gonna do, and if you're using a stage two cam, that means you're not a full race application. A 90 millimeter is pretty big. What will happen is, you'll have a very strange driving phenomenon right when that throttle body opens slightly. So when you open slightly, you have so much air coming in, it won't make for a good driver. I would really hover if you want something big in the 74 range. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, yeah, please do, CRV, by all means, you know? Mowgli, please share the comment again. So much is coming in. Have a great day as well, Nap Designs. Um, Nathan said, I'm building a B20B in a CRX. and Boosted, of course. He'll be using my valve train, etc. Should he use a B18C head to get VTEC Or no, is it worth it? So here's the thing. It, it depends. I like the drivability that VTEC affords you so if your goal is let's say 350-400 no you can stay with your B20B head no problem but if you're someone who wants to get decent amount of power and you want to eat your chicken habit too meaning you want good low rpm drivability and nice high boost application drivability then yes the VTEC one is, is worth it but if you're 350-400 no need don't don't invest any more money there. you can definitely have a good time with your LS setup or B20 LS head which is not a challenge you know Any engines on strong engines that handle lots of amounts of boost, for example, 30 PSI plus? Yes. Well, first it depends on your turbocharger. So if you're talking about 30 PSI on a GT28 turbo versus 30 PSI on a GT45, that's different. But one engine that handles boost very well is the 2JZ Toyota. And with that, you can push quite a bit of boost with the type of turbos that people typically use, which is pretty nice, you know? Where did my D-series cam gear go? They're not on the v website anymore. Actually, we still had some. I just sold some on Friday. So we're probably out of stock, and we'll be getting some soon. I think I may have a red and a blue one in stock, but those are not very pretty. But I have a batch of black ones coming. Shoot me an email, and I'll notify you when they're back in stock, you know? Um, yes, the, you're absolutely right, DM. That is a TA Motorsports. That's a topic we've discussed quite a bit. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Rip. Day King? Rip the King? Yes! You want to cruise in vacuum, then turbo signing is, is, is critical. So I did good. I know you mentioned you wanted something that spools quick, but also gives you a decent amount of power. Anything that spools very quick, what will happen is when you're cruising, you'll be in boost. And when you're in boost, that means you're pushing air into the engine. And to keep your engine safe, when you have that air forced in, you have to have the appropriate amount of fuel. And fuel consumption is always something that comes in hand with more air. So what I did in my wagon, the old first wagon I had, which is very nice, and even the wagon I have now, is I size the turbo in such a way that when cruising, it's in vacuum and it's nice. Not when I'm cruising, I'm in boost. So that being said, when you tip into a boost, is there. And that has a lot to do with only your turbo sizing, but also the AR housing that you have for your turbocharger. You know? Kevin says VTEC is always worth it. Yes, it also depends on your driving style. It really does. Um, if you shift in vacuum, you produce better micro... <laughs> <laughs> uh can the rx7 fd3 ever run consistently absolutely sir yes it can you know i want to buy pieces of rods but i want to know if they are non-notch so mogli no um you can buy from me but once again as i mentioned i don't design rods that you don't have to notch because the only way to get a d-series rod for performance to clear with this 90 millimeter stroke is to have a very thin or close to factor, which doesn't give technically a strength. I'm big on reliability. And if it means you taking time and notching it in the bottom of your sleeve, do it, to allow you to have liability. If you can't do it, send it to a machine shop, and it's not that expensive to have them notch it for you. It's not a big deal. It is the way to go, you know? L. Don Spencer asks, would a faulty oil piston ring cause excessive smoke condition under water on the throttle on a turbocharged engine? The compression is consistent across all centers. Yes, it could. But you know what else could cause you to have black and blue smoke? Especially if you have a built engine, crankcase pressure. So what happened is because you're boosted and boost elements are getting past the rings, it can cause a situation in the crankcase where you build a lot of pressure. And what happens is it can upset or unseat the oil control rings and cause that as well. If you don't have a proper system that allows you to evacuate your crankcase pressure, invest in one. You may be surprised. You may be surprised indeed, you know? That's pretty good, Unique, and you can totally do that, you know? Uh, Good afternoon, Jamaica. Danka, good seeing you. Thank you for joining us. Um, When will we see the Santa Fe, your most powerful car, and we never see it? Well, I didn't good. I got rid of it. Um, Hyundai gave us that uh, chassis in the middle of the, I would say, cycle of the setup, and that's it. They changed the body style, so there's no need for us to keep promoting it. So the car was sold away and somewhere in down West LA or something like that, and then some of the engine components are still here, so it's no longer with us, you know? Um, What is my take, says Iniola, on engineering management? as a master's course in the field of automobile. I think it's fantastic. So I did my master's in engineering management and what it does, it gives you a very strong background in using engineering principles to become more efficient with design, with sales, and marketing to some extent. It allows you to pay attention to economics of scale. Even when you're designing a plant, it tells you about how to better manage people and to manage the plant design so that if one section of the plant breaks down, you can design another section of the plant and have it function while that's being repaired and not have any downtime or lots of revenue. So it's a fantastic, fantastic course that can span over multiple fields, whether it's automotive, it could span into pharma, it can expand into chemical, it could expand into nuclear, it can span into uh, uh, agricultural. It's a very well sought out curriculum. So I would say that you should explore it, you know. You record these and post them somewhere. Great question, Kabagas, Kabages, and I do. So after we finish our interaction today, I leave it up on Instagram for 24 hours. Then I take the extra step, as I'm doing now, as recording it, my voice live, and I put it up through podcasting, through um, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, uh, Podbean, I put it through all those networks so that if you're working out or you're walking your dogs or in the loo or whatever the case may be, you can listen to our interaction. And that's why I repeat the questions as well so that people can understand where I'm coming from. So you can totally do that. And that being said, um, I also follow up. I don't stop there. I put it on on, on YouTube. So if you don't follow the Model YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe. Also click on the bell so you can be notified when I put new videos up. I even have a playlist for all of the Model Tech Tuesdays. So you can reference at your leisure, day or night, within the United States or overseas. Unique FA5 is asking, have I done any tuning with Flash Pro? Jerome, what do you think? Have I done any tuning with Flash Pro? Just a few. He <laughs> said just a few. Um, tons! As a matter of fact, not only have I done tuning with Flash Pro, I've done a lot of beta testing with Honda themselves. Well, there's Doug and Derek, the two proprietors there. We've done a lot of testing for the Type R, for the S2K. We've done a ton of things for the 9th Gen Civic and CRZ when it first came out. I still have the beta unit that they had initially. Yes, I've done quite a bit with them. Rico, if you see here up front, she has the uh, keys to the black car and the silver car. Yeah, thank you so much. That's my good friend, Rico. He comes and takes care of me, he takes very good care of me. He is from Foam Brothers, and if you're in a greater 909-951 area, he does a smashing job of keeping my cars looking pretty all the time, which is pretty nice. Um, best engines that like Big Boost, I just mentioned, definitely the 2JZ, 1JZ to some extent, you know? Um, Rod we'll reached out to you for his new Porsche build. Yes, Red and I talk all the time. It's my schedule is absolutely ridiculous. So I may not be able to help him this time, which is so sad, you know? How much would I charge for notching? 120. How capable would the M96 be as a drag engine? What Mau head flow? Mao, you see from it? What Mao? I don't know, I, I, most head flow? Could I see if there's on pump 85? See, the one thing that I haven't pushed on the M96 engines is how well the heads handle heat. So if you think about it, AJ, what are internal combustion engines? And I talk about this a lot. What are they, really? They're energy converters. Glorified energy converters, where it takes the chemical energy of air, or better yet, the oxygen in air, combined with the chemical energy and collect content of the fuel being used, when combined in the right combination, you take that chemical energy, you ignite it, It turns through the element of combustion, that chemical energy, into heat. That heat energy then in turn, in a perfect situation, does perfect work on top of the dome of the piston, which then pushes down on the piston and rod, which then the crankshaft turns that up and down motion into rotational motion. So, that being said, what does that mean? The only way to make more power is to have controllable heat that increases. So, if I want to make 300 horsepower per cylinder, I have to generate a decent amount of heat. How well the M96 head handle, I have not tested to that situation. I have comfortably tested it close to, I would say, maybe 180 per cylinder without qualm. But 300 per cylinder, even though the head flow could support it, I don't know if the metallurgy of the head would. So I hope that helps. My pleasure, Mugali. My pleasure indeed. Yes, I would love to play with Ecotech. I love different engine management solutions. It's the only one I haven't played with recently, DA. Could I explain the tuning advantages of Q16 versus an ethanol raised fuel? So when it comes to tuning advantages, here's the thing. Q16 contains a lot of olefins. And what that does with the olefin and also oxygenated compounds, is it allows an opportunity to make more power per unit fuel consumed. Meaning, because it has the oxygenate, it has almost like a oxygen that could be released in the combustion chamber, which when you add the proper amount of fuel, you can make more power. Also, the advantages of Q16 is that you don't need as much fuel to make the same amount of power. So you don't have to go crazy with injector size. So if you're limited in injector size, you don't have to lose your mind. For example, if you want to make 1,000 horsepower on an inline four, and you have access to, to the 2200cc uh, injectors from, from, let's say, Bosch, you may get limited based upon your fuel requirements. especially if you have a decent fuel pressure. You may be limited to 850, maybe 890 horsepower to the wheels. But with Q16, you can get to the four-digit mark at regular, not-so-crazy fuel pressure ratios. So that's one advantage. The disadvantage of the Q16 is because it contains olefins, it's not very compatible with a lot of injectors, including the one I just mentioned, the 2200cc ones from Bosch, which are really natural gas injectors, but they have these very specialized seals that can get swollen up if you use Q16. Also, Q16 requires a significant amount of maintenance. You have to pickle the system, meaning after you run Q16, if you want to sit for a while, you have to be able to flush the system very nicely. While with E85, you don't have to worry about contaminating injectors. Also, if you have limited, um, if you're seeing it the e- set up for about a, a month or two, you don't necessarily have to drain the system. Even though it is hygroscopic, means that E85 does have affinity to absorb moisture from the, from the atmosphere, if you have in a steel container or steel tank, it's not so bad an idea. And also, E85 is readily available. I've used both fuels with great success. Q16 smells really nasty if you breathe it, so I wouldn't advise you to breathe it. I wouldn't even advise you to breathe exhaust fumes from, a, from an E85, but it is a much cleaner fuel, so I hope it helps. You know? Hunivan, good seeing you. Hope everything is well. He said he's elbow deep in J35 Odyssey timing belt replacement other than what comes in the kit. What else would behoove him to do a Bissimondo? BC Bissimondo, BC a big turbo, an engine management, and a manual gearbox. All oh, that would be pretty cool to have, you know? Um, do you think that uh, rating Octane and tuning for it is a good way to improve mileage? I think tuning is very good, especially if you have the capability of tuning for lean burn. You can increase mileage significantly. Another way is to do whatever you can to reduce friction significantly in the engine itself. Meaning, don't just throw any stupid oil in there. Use something that does a great job of increasing lubricity and is much slipperier for your engine, so it takes less energy to move your components while protecting. And many of you know what I would recommend, of course, Pure which is their aerospace oil, which is absolutely it. Yep, there is a blue cam gear. I do have it. It's like a darker blue. It's a little bit darker than the T-shirt I'm wearing. I should make a pink one to commemorate. But anyway, it's a little bit darker blue than this. But I do have it. I do have it. You know? What about a AR? Now that, depending on your wheel size. So let's say you are using a what's a good size? that D-series to be happy with. Let's say a 48, 50, 52 millimeter Exducer wheel. If you put a .48 AR, that thing will spool quickly, you may end up driving and cruising in boost, but it's gonna significantly choke your top end power. And for the power you wanna make, knowing you, you may go to a .6364, you know? Nathan Heist says, I've always used a low compression with turbo. I know you like high compression and trust your knowledge. If I go to B20B, B18C head, what compression should I shoot for? So it depends. If you're using a stock sleeve, you can't push that too much because the B20B sleeves are very slender. Aren't they, Dron? Yes, he yes, said yes, that's so true. Anyway, but if you're sleeving it, it won't really matter. Or if you do some really cool reinforcement, it wouldn't really matter. But I think a happy medium, if you have access to both 91 Octane and 85, would be 10.5, maybe 11 to 1. With a tuner, that's okay and you should be okay, you know? Oh, have a good day, DA, it's good seeing you indeed. It's a pleasure, you know? Is your parts inventory still available, just special order, depends on which parts you have. I still have some parts in stock. I have some parts in special order, depends. I'm stuck, I have some pistons, some rods, lots of oil, um, some engine management solutions, spark plugs, um, exhaust systems, I have a couple of headers here, um, tires, quite a few, just write to me and let me know what you need, and I'd be more than happy to do that, you know? What do I think of Daz's ginger beard? I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> I can't grow one like that. I try. I can't. But it's pretty cool. I like Daryl. He's a really, really nice chap, you know? What are your thoughts on the intake metaphor with integrated WA intercooler for Honda applications? Seen a lot of LS guys with them, but never seen a Honda with them. I haven't tested to know for sure, because I'm sure it really heavily depends on not only the core design and thin design as well, the last thing you want is to be able to create a situation where you don't have good laminar flow into the intake, but I haven't tested it yet, so I wouldn't be in the best position to be able to answer that question. But when I do, I promise you, I will share that information with you, you know? Hey, am I going to Fontana on Sunday? Oh my God, now I feel bad. Jerome, do you know anything about what's happening in Fontana on Sunday? See, John doesn't know, I don't know either. Let me know what's happening on Sunday. I just found out, don't feel bad, I just found out about the i throwback beat from you guys on Tech Tuesday. No, after that even. I think on Thursday when I posted something and I was there on Saturday. I had no clue. So let me know about what's going on Sunday. I'll be more than happy to do that. K20 with around 300 horsepower. Would you suggest turbo NA supercharger for daily dri- ability? So at 300 horsepower, and I zoom into the wheels, 300 horsepower K series daily driven would be pretty interesting because you need a decent sized camshaft and a decent sized uh, compression to be able to do that to the wheels. To the crank, not so bad. The easiest, the easiest in the world would be a toss up between turbocharging and supercharging. If you're never gonna increase your capability ever and you want to be able to feel like you have an NA setup that's a big, hunking, efficient setup, supercharge is the way to go because it feels like a more powerful NA setup. You have that linear composition without any lag. But if you're like me and you love the sounds of turbochargers and you have the capability of not having heat management issues and you also want to have the flexibility to expand later on very easily, Turbo is the way to go. So, Ray, I see what you're saying. That's great, but you can't push power with those. So, I'm not a huge advocate of doing things that are not beginning with the end in mind, because you never know what customers do. And you know what happens when you bend a rod or break it? They blame the manufacturer. So, I just won't do it. You know? I also don't sell Vitara, pistons, yeah, even though people do it. See, he's laughing. So, because it exists doesn't mean it's right. Just say, you know. Does your K series intake gasket specific to an intake manifold or does it apply to all? It depends. So I have the earlier K stuff. So you have the K20As, I have earlier ones for that. I have the later ones, like the K24s, and something you may see with the later ones that have the little weird um, coolant port. If you're looking for K24Z3 or Z7 for the ninth gen, I don't have those. I typically modify those to be able to work with them, but I don't have those commercially available, you know? Danka asks, BC, what are your thoughts on the 1JZ that VIN has for daily use and drifting sometimes? Do you think you'll make 450 and maybe 4-something torque on 91 octane? And what is available at the pump, though? So here's the deal. Um, You have to check with your local authorities. So if you're in an area where that kind of setup is illegal, you cannot drive around. And so if you are allowed to do that kind of setup with a full standalone and no catalyst and all that good stuff in your vicinity, then by all means you can what limited me with Vince's car at 400 to the wheel is knock, 91 octane. Now, bear in mind, he had 91 that was in there for a while, but I tune cars for what they want. Can you push 450? Yes, you could, but it won't last very long, not with how his setup was at the time. Reliability is extremely important. To me. And what limited me at 400 was the knock capability of the field he ran. So, when I started pushing north of 400, It wasn't super noisy, but I think if my memory says me correctly, cylinder 5 was extremely noisy. I added fuel, retarded timing in that realm in high boost where that happened. And long story short, it continued to knock. So I put it back to 400 where it was safe. I built a knock protocol so if it ever gets to a hot day or a bad batch of fuel or something happens, within reason, the ECU will retard timing automatically per cylinder and add fuel per cylinder to keep his engine safe one easy way to be able to do that is to add a camshaft so if you add the aftermarket camshaft to that vvti head maybe something that's custom something we can design you by all means can reach or even exceed that goal but here a factory camshaft in there so that limited us so i hope that helps is there any need for vacuum pumps for better ring sealing and modern engines yes and no modern engines typically have it you know how you have that pvc that goes from your valve cover to your intake manifold, that is a pseudo pump. So what happens is air rushes into your intake as per consumption of your engine, you create a differential, you create a depression. A depression where it creates a vacuum via the crankcase because of the intake air rushing into your intake. So that being said, it is required. It helps with emissions, helps with CO, yes. When most people do crazy modifications, they take them out. On my inside, I have two nice pumps, two housings that help suck, suck that out and create power and ceiling for me. So it's good to have, you know? Are you gonna be the G80 Sport or G70? Great question. I just had interaction last week with Irwin, who is the president of the Genesis division. So let's see what happens. It takes time. Nothing set in stone right now. Thanks for the, reverse brother, the response, brother, says Y70. My good friend Edgar and Eric, the twins, yes, yes, great. I do insane racing, yes, insane racing. Actually, those are the guys who bought my CRX. They need to bring that car out, make sure it runs. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever done any off-road or street legal off-road builds? Yes, I have. Hello, in 87 good seeing you. Good evening, Marco. Alfie, how are you? Good to see you. How did it come up for you to tune the Honigain 1JZ S14? Well, very simple. Um, I've had very successful projects with them over there. So, as you may think far back to, wow, years ago when Brian Scoto built his uh, RWB car, I met him to buy his old fenders for a project. So that's how I interacted with them. And they knew about me, but we never interacted. And that established a relationship. So, we started by doing some things with Insight. And then if you remember not too long ago, I took over the Odyssey, which is right next to me here. As you can see, I'm just turning this over here so you guys can see it, that's the Odyssey right there. And then we carried on to bringing over, I think we did something, something with the, uh, the Cayman that's in the showroom. And we did something at, uh, with KW at Willow Springs. Then we had the opportunity to take the center seat, which is outside of the door right there. And then another wagon. So they have seen my projects and how successful they've been and how I have so much fun and how they are fantastic. They get exposed to tons of builders and tuners and when they saw what I was able to do, they were very impressed. I wanted me to do their own cars, which is pretty nice. Happy Tuesday as well, Alfie. Good seeing you. Um, I think I said, now it's so. Do you have any plans to make a shop monster when you build purely for big numbers? Um, I don't really, you know, I don't build purely for big numbers, I think. good. It's, it's really a proof of concept. So many times I do something to see how far we can push it. One example was a Mustang, which I was in, that thing was laggy, it was horrible but it got to a very high number, 900s, but it was horrible, hated that. Even smoked weird, it was just a weird weird setup. And then um, other projects I have, talking about future projects I have coming up, right here I have the 190E, which I want to do some crazy stuff with. We have the, I want to shock people with the AW1, um, AW11 uh, MR2, so we have that coming on. We negotiations with Acura, negotiations with Honda, negotiations with Hyundai, negotiations with Ford, we have all these brands we're negotiating with to do some really cool stuff. You know, just this, here we go. So it depends. Have you ever thought about making a DVD about vehicle education that would break down block to crank to compression and so on? I haven't thought of that. That may be a good idea, Doc Star. I really haven't thought of that, you know? Dip and Deep says, BC Empire Auto FTW. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Here Darren said thank you very much as well. Thank you so much, Cabbages. Good seeing you. Would you have the same dynamic compression ratio with low static compression ratio with a small canvas high? Yes, you would absolutely so agent asking would you have the same dynamic compression ratio with low static compression with a small cam as a high static compression ratio with a big can absolutely dynamic is what really matters when you really think about it and break it down you know also do you think learning tuning from a high performance academy is a good way to learn tuning it is but there's nothing better than first-hand experience than getting a project your car yourself and playing with it yourself not customers cars but your own am infinity so speaking of am kevin i did send your ec yesterday you Need more time with it so hopefully i can hear back from them tomorrow which would be nice you know where's the volvo at i don't have a volvo <laughs> they're all frowning over here i don't have a volvo now when i was at the um event this weekend in corona at bought i saw a cool volvo wagon i'm like oh i should build one of these but i haven't built one yet i don't even have one yet at all how's the sq2k behind you i have one liking you do Darkstar. star well this is a 2004 S2000, um, it has a factory full track duty. It's Brad Muggs, he is a uh, previous GM for Norm Reeves and he brought it here so we can do a baseline, see where it is, and then upgrade to AM Infinity so he can have a lot of fun. So I'm gonna build a bunch of fail safes in for him, do launch control for him, give him the capability to have impeccable drivability and improve his lap times on the track without sacrificing fuel ratio or fuel economy, you know? That a chord was on Flash Pro. Uh, which a Yeah, we've had quite a few. I've had a on Flash Pro, I've had a on K-Tuner, quite a bit. How do I feel about the AB1824? Please talk about it. Okay, I'd be more than happy to. This is the California law where people are so scared and losing their minds about what's going on. And what's very strange is that Kevin and I were talking about that this weekend. And Kevin even educated me on a lot of this because he spoke to quite a few people in law enforcement. The law has been there Alfie, it hasn't changed much. In other words, the major change in it is that an exhaust violation is no longer correctable. In the past, you can pay, let's say a $200 fine, 150, whatever the jurisdiction is, go to court, show that it was signed off, or repaired, or justified, and then you get your money back, no problem. Now it is not correctable, meaning if you get a ticket, you have to pay the fine. Now the fine is still $200. This $1,000 thing, I don't know where it came from. Kevin and I talked about it quite a bit. That could be the highest fine you could pay, but it's $200, so here's the thing. It's not all exhaust systems. If you have exhaust systems, oh my God, I have customers. I don't know if you have the same things they're on, but I have customers, they're losing their minds. I'm going back to stock, I'm going back to stock. Guys, it's not that. There's a decibel level that is acceptable, and if you're within that acceptable decibel level, it's not a challenge at all. If you want to be super proactive, you can take your exhaust system to certain facilities that can give you a certificate to show what decibel level is, and you can show it to a police officer. Here is the caveat. Here is the, here's the nitty gritty. Don't be rude to police officers, period. If a police officer pulls you over, be cooperative, be nice. It's not a challenge. Many officers are here, enthusiasts, just like you and I. They love cars. They're not out there to get you. They really want to be able to assist and make sure that everyone is safe. Now, if you have an exhaust that's just ridiculously loud and you have a downpipe and so on and so forth and it's out of control, yeah. But if you have an exhaust system that falls within that, I don't know if it's 95 decibels or so on and so forth, it's acceptable. You can have an aftermarket exhaust. If anything, I think it makes a great opportunity for many exhaust designers, like myself, to go back to the drawing board and create products that can be used in California and other 49 states, which is pretty nice, you know? Let's see. I think. I, oh, you guys have so many great questions. I'm missing most of them. Okay. Hello, Palo Baby, all the way from Nigeria. Good seeing you. Thank you so much. How do sound levels make people safe? No one ever died from strict. <laughs> That's true. But you know what? Um, you are very naughty, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is thinking of wide pipe. y pipe means you have a factory exhaust, like what Jeremiah has. At a press of a button or a switch or toggle of a lever, you can go from uh, quiet to loud at leisure and you can have an engine management solution that can correct for it, which is very nice, you know? It doesn't, it's just one of those rules. Same way you'll say, you know, sometimes some people do complain that it's a bit of a nuisance, especially if in your schools or hospitals or so on and so forth, so it depends. But I don't think it's a bad thing, I think it's an opportunity. Um, it, it, it's very peculiar. Boosted boy Dre says, I am using a fully Build sleeve 822 on boost for a summer daily. Cannot wait to use Pure All. I'm hoping to be able to enjoy it for commuting. Neptune, RTP, ECU, good. You know, the guys from Neptune are also the same people who are uh, responsible for K2O, which is pretty nice. And their system is very, very nice and very user friendly as well. And it tends to fill some of the niches that Honda doesn't fill, which is pretty nice. But of course, the Pure All, you will love it. Very high heat resilience, very high chemical resilience. It is my oil of choice. And those guys know their stuff. From aerospace, they are badass. No. Um, to go 85 on a V16 turbo with 440 cc injectors work? It depends on your horsepower goal. If your horsepower is 350, then no, you'll be fine. <laughs> Barely. You may want to go to 1,000 cc. That's what I would do. The 1,000 cc Bosch injectors, the EV14s, they are pretty cost effective nowadays. They give you great opportunity to expand. Go 1,300 if you could, if your budget allows you to. But they have such a fast, how should I say, you have such fast coils inside the bodies that you don't have any idling problems whatsoever, whether you're an ED5, flex fuel, or gasoline. That's what I would do. Don't muck around with 440s, you need more than that. If you're an NA, road racing, trying to do 200 horsepower to the wheels, knock yourself out. V16 turbo, and you want to be able to push a little bit of power and have good, good, I would say, duty cycle, that would be an 85 or lower to allow your injectors to work the way they should, please invest in some CC. That would be really nice, you know? Um, Haha, <laughs> that's so fun. I don't think that's the case, Kamikaze, but that's pretty nice, you know? Yeah, value fitted, you're right. They're very cost-effective, you can, you know? Do you think stroking an F20B with an F23B bottom end would be worth it for a turbo setup? Well, you know, once again, Caitlin, you are force-inducing. So the one thing, when you stroke, you're trying to increase displacement and getting more air into the engine. When you're turbocharging, you get more into the engine. The simple thing for you to do is to keep your F20B as is, we have pistons for that already, very cost-effective in the 400 range. We have rods for that already in the 400 range, very cost-effective. Upgrade that, and you're good to go. You don't have to worry about that. I have pistons, everything from I think like 8 to 1 to 12 to 1. So you don't have to stroke. Just use what you have and use the turbocharger as your advantage. It's pretty straightforward. Um, I haven't checked yet, Mister GNA. He's asking, does my wagon pass California emissions? I don't know. I haven't checked yet. Is a manual transmission possible in a TLX Acura? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Is a BC motor new Acura Type R ever going to happen? Acura Type R. I don't know any Acura Type R's that are new. Please share me. I'm meeting with Acura tomorrow. I have lunch with the uh, head of experiential marketing tomorrow. I'll ask her about the Acura Type R. I'm not familiar with a new Acura Type R. Please do tell me, dip in deep. Um, Go to standalone ECU for most of my projects. AM Infinity. That's my standalone. AM Infinity here. AM Infinity is going this track car of a customer. AM Infinity is in the car that Duran's working on right now. AM Series Two in the Porsche here. AM Infinity is going to Mercedes. Um, AM Infinity is going to MR2. AM Infinity is going in this nine, nine, um not nine uh, twelve. AM Infinity is in my Insight. <laughs> AM Infinity in the purple, the blue uh, with Porsche. I'm I'm all about that, you know. I like that um is my turbo kit engine modification for wagon seal carb compliant i don't know yet (laughs) mister i haven't submitted it yet (laughs) you're asking the same questions over and over again so question the answer is no i have not tested it yet no i have not submitted to carb yet i don't know yet that's why you see me sometimes i trailer to events and pull out a trailer i don't know yet opinions on twin charge supercharger fed turbos group b spot i think it's fantastic johnny it gives you the best of both worlds it gives you the opportunity to have the advantages of no lag with the supercharger and the high horsepower flexibility potential of the turbocharger application which is pretty nice. Um, which Amphitis do I have? Okay, on this I have a 708, on this one we're putting a 506, on that one I have a 708, I have a series 2 SUBI box on this one, um, on that one I have a 506 as well. So the 506 is the ECU that allows me to use both peak and hold and saturated injectors has six coil outputs and six injector outputs. So anything from a V6 to a um, uh, inline four or single cylinder, it has a maximum of that, which is pretty nice, you know? Um, I know you're kidding, Mr. Johnny. Just give me a hard time. If you don't want to push my buttons, that doesn't push my buttons. If you want to push my buttons, talk about in uh, deep, deep nose. Talk about my, actually, I think Good nose it very well. Talk about Vatara Pistons, and what else do I think to say about? I think Pistons, and eBay turbos, those two things, yeah, you get to me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jojo, I appreciate the kind words. What am I going to do to modify the new electric Porsche models? Play with inverters. The inverter has so much, cap- imagine this. You know how you may see those uh, hydraulic, oh, time is flying, we're having so much fun. You know how you see those hydraulic um, uh, pneumatic valve train that Renault played with, with the F1, and some manufacturers play along with, I think Koenigsegg is doing great with it as well, where you have full control, you don't even need a throttle body where you can just, actuate each valve individually, and you can maximize efficiency based upon that. By all means, that is similar to what you can do with electric motors. You have full controller inverter, you can make it simulate um, full torque at one RPM, which will break a bunch of stuff. You can make it simulate an internal combustion engine. You can, de- you can use it to control the regen function, where you can use the brakes to stop the car, or you can let off of it, it'll stop on a go-car, you just let off and it'll stop the car. There's so much you can do. So getting access to that is one way. To be able to modify, I think it opens up a world of possibilities in terms of modification and supercharging. You know, how difficult would it make an engine twin charge, like a two JZ or one UZ? It's not so difficult if you have the engine based space. You know, what's the next build idea? I would say to incorporate efficiently. You know what? Let's talk about something crazy. To take old school cars and infuse modern EV technology. Yeah. We able to see Eddie? Should we sit together? Four. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Um, next creative project after the wagon. It's a toss-up between the 190E right here I'm looking at and the AW one no, I keep saying AW one, aw 11 MRT. You know, that'd be pretty cool, you know. Yes, the ultimate Mi 1 C sixty three ultimate resto mod. The ultimate resto mod would be infusing modern technology in the EV realm with all the advantages, where you can have individual wheel control, you can do a front wheel burnout, you can do a real wheel burnout, you can do an all wheel burnout, you can vector the car based upon energizing certain wheels and de-energizing the other. It's pretty cool, you know? Diesels I think, good, as he says, a big of diesel, are becoming less and less advantageous in terms of appeal for the masses. So, Porsche is one of the first manufacturers who are gonna do away completely with diesel. And many other people follow suit because no matter what we do, no matter the advantages we have, it's still viewed as a dirty fuel, you know? So that guy Grayson says I should do a Honda CRZ build. Can you believe that, Duran? <laughs> Duran's laughing. So the guy Grayson over there in the corner is the first turbocharged ever CRZ that we did with Honda as far back as 2010. It was and I think still is the most powerful CRZ to ever grace the planet at 533 horsepower and I should just name her Gearbox Destroyer because that's what she does, she destroys gearboxes. Did you help me change the gearbox in that once? No. Okay, that was before. So at the o shop, we changed so many times that my good friend David, who now has access to it, had me detuned to 350 because it was just destroying gearboxes left and right. So, we've done quite a bit in terms of CRZs. So we're the first designer for the piston, first rod designer. It's, it's a pretty potent engine, so we've done that, you know? Do, I, do you make NSX engine conversions for an Odyssey minivan? Is it possible to swap manuals to it? No, I don't. Only because there's no market for that, son of pain. Uh, son of pain, the C engine, what is it, C30 or the C32, are very hard engines to come by, and extremely expensive. It's so expensive that most in SoCal, I can't talk about the rest of the nation, but in Southern California, most NSX guys are now offering to put a K-series in their NSX, take out their C-series engine and put up. So no. Um, It is possible to do, but no, not at all. There's no C conversion because there's no demand. Is it possible to swap a manual? Yes, right here next to me is Odyssey we did as far back as 2013. And we used an Acura TL Type S gearbox to convert to a manual with a custom shifter based upon EP setup, EP Civic setup, and custom pedal for the clutch. What trans would you use for a TLX manual conversion? What trans would I use? You have many options. the easiest thing would be a TLX. Jaron, for the TLX, what engine do they use for that, for that TLX? He knows a lot more of the accurate than I do. I want to say it's a
1: C. Is it K? But yeah, it's a K. So not, they, didn't, they never use a J, right? No.
0: OK. It's, it's so easy. I mean, that being said, you have a multitude of K-series applications you can use. You can use standard SI. You can use, um, wow, quite a few. You can use Element, CRV. There are quite a few you can use. Any thoughts on LSD tech? I think it's a cost-effective way to combine the advantages of a VTEC head, ideally with the bottom end that's more cost-effective and/or much more displacement if you're going with a V20. So I like the LSD tech. I think it's pretty cool. Limit of CRV 5-speed would equate LSD horsepower and torque-wise. Limit of CRV 5-speed would... So one thing about a CRV 5-speed is that the gears are much wider than the 6-speed, so I like that for a K-series application. With equate LSD. Then we push LSDs into the four digits with no qualm. Horsepower and torque, here's what's very interesting. And drunken can actually attest to this. I've seen customers break K-series gearboxes with stock horsepower. And I've seen people put 800 horsepower and not break it. So it has a lot to do with driving style. And maybe age and care of the gearbox. Was that right? Yeah, so maintenance, as you said. You know. What's the gearbox code you used in the original wagon build? I used, oh, I don't know what code the gearbox was, I don't remember, but I did use the gearbox out of the EK. So that was a um, 96 to 2000 Civic EX. Only because that gearbox has forks that are steel, opposed to the EG ones, which are hydraulic, but also had aluminum setup, so I didn't like that at all. Uh-oh, I get a red light, it's time for me to leave. Oh my God, I'm just having so, so much fun with you guys. Um, Nights are taking control. Knights are taking control. Would I ever build an off-road minivan? I'd love to. How are you affected by the new California exhaust laws? I'm not affected at all because I understand the law itself. It limits you on going crazy with exhaust systems. All it requires you is to modify your exhaust in such a way that it doesn't exceed the decibel levels that are considered obtuse or very poor. It doesn't mean everyone goes to stock exhaust. It does not mean that at all. That law has been in effect. The only change is that it is no longer correctable. So I hope that helps. So guys, I'm gonna run off because it's already giving me a warning. Just to show you guys, see this red right here? It's a red warning, your time's up. So before Instagram cuts me off, I'm gonna go ahead and head out. So thank you so much for joining me today. I think many of you were interested in me, um, joining me with this um, Dino Tune. So it's gonna take me a couple of hours. I don't know if they'll let me stay on for two hours for this, but I'm gonna go and start playing with this, um, this uh, uh, S2000 here do a baseline, see where it is in terms of power, and then do my magic with the uh, AM Infinity and see how much reliable power we can get. So thank you for joining me. This will stay up for 24 hours. Give me some feedback based upon interaction. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for Pure Off for making such great products. Thank you for Mike for designing such a great shirt for me. And by all means, stay tuned and see you out there. This should be up on uh, Instagram for 24 hours and then I'm going to upgrade to upload the voice To Spotify, um, iTunes, Anchor, Podbean, and then finally YouTube. Take care, everyone. Have a good day. Cheers.